0: Hill Explains where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about James Hutton um, I must admit I haven't heard of this person and he's one of the great scientists in this coffee table book the Scotsman James Hutton was the brilliant 18th century geologist who finally revealed the ancient nature of the earth and the long gradual process which shape its landscape Scapes, processes which shape its landscapes. I suppose um, if you decide what modern science is and you have to dig back to all you have famous scientists, you have to include them. It seems so obvious to us now that the world is very old and has been shaped by geological processes over millions of years. But it's hard to believe that people did not always see it that way. Eventually, as recently as the 18th century, the Age of Enlightenment, most people believed the Earth was still much older than human history. Many people for many people, the truth about the Earth's age lay not in the rocks and the landscape but in the Bible. In 1650, the Irish archbishop James Usher gave the official line. After studying the Bible, he concluded the world began on Sunday the 23rd of October, 4004 BC and has changed little since, except perhaps during the time of the Deluge, the Biblical Flood, uh, which dated at uh, 2349 BC. But, uh, and the great Isaac Newton agreed. There you go, isn't that beautiful? Yet, yeah, just as Copernicus's revelation that the Earth is not at the centre of the universe was finally sinking in, so some thinkers were beginning to question this view of the world and they could see that the many rocks in the landscapes were formed on sediments and were full of fossils and sea creatures. They had no idea how the sediments came to form mountains or how the fossils got there. The leading idea of the 18th century was that it was all the result of a single great catastrophe that shaped the world quickly in one fell swoop and then left the landscape as it is. The great German geologist Abraham Gottlieb Werner Uh, proposed the theory that the catastrophe was a flood. Most rocks, he suggested, formed in the universal oceans that covered the entire earth and were then left behind as landscapes we see today as the ocean waters drained away. Of course, many saw the biblical deluge in Werner's universal ocean deluge. Hutton's great breakthrough was to show that this idea was wrong in two major respects. First of all, he realized that it was not flooded waters that had formed um many of the rocks. Oh my God, what's happening? I'm actually being attacked by a bird at this point. Oh wow, it's quite amazing. okay Don't know what sort of a bird it was? this it sort all of came at the side okay. but the Earth's internal heat, the heat of molten rocks that emerges in volcanoes. Secondly, he showed that landscapes were not shaped once and for all in some great catastrophe, but slowly, continually, by the countless cycles of erosion, sedimentation and uplift that repeated over incredibly long time periods. Again and again, he realized, rocks were worn away, their debris uh, is washed into oceans to settle in sediments, and the sediments are then uplifted and distorted by the heat of the Earth's interior to form new landscapes. Oh, God. If this is so, the Earth must be very old, not just thousands, but millions. Hutton never stated how old he believed the world to be, but the implication was clear that it was extremely old, as others soon began to realize scots upbringing james hutton was born in edinburgh in 1726 the eldest son of sarah and william hutton william died just two years later edinburgh was going through an extraordinary time the last of the scottish highland rebellions turning the city into something of a frontier town hutton's childhood though was peaceful enough he was educated, and this is interesting. That the we now know about the um, uh, New Edinburgh in Panama, and the failed Scottish colony, which was undermined by the British. Um, uh, Hutton's childhood it was. He was educated first at Edinburgh High School, then as a teenager at the University of Edinburgh, where he came under the eye of Colin McLaren who had worked with the aging Newton in London as, and was much admired by him. Macaron introduced Hutton to Newton's idea, notably the cycles of the planets, and had a uh, marked influence on him. Macaron also introduced Hutton into the idea of deism, the idea that God who designed and created the universe as a perfect machine, uh, then left him, let it run himself. The idea played a big part in Hutton's way of thinking. It helped me see the idea of ancient earth did not conflict with the belief of God. There was nothing in James Hutton's life at this time to indicate his later interest in the earth. When he left the university in 1745, he went to medical school to train as a doctor. In the same years, Charles Stuart, Bonnie Prince Charlie, led the Scots, last Scottish rebellion. No doubt the well to do Edinburgh did not approve the brutality with which the Highlanders were treated in the aftermath of Charlie's um, flight into exile. But it set the city free to flourish in an astonishing way. Elegant new streets were laid out. The beginnings of an intellectual golden age began to see Edinburgh dubbed as the Athens of the North. Um, I think uh, Stockholm's the Venice of the North. Dear, that's a bit strange, calling it the Athens of the North. Dr Hutton Farmer. Yet... As the echoes of the rebellions were still ringing in the streets, the young Hutton was obliged to leave the city in embarrassment, having made a young servant girl pregnant. How did he do that? He went to Paris and studied medicine there for five years before completing his medical training at Leyend in Scotland. Strangely though, he never seemed for a moment to have contemplated becoming a doctor. In 1750, he went into business with the old Edinburgh friend to make Sal Almec, a key ingredients still make him. Wow. I wonder what Sal Ammoniac is uh, and was providing him with a moderate income for all his life. In the 1750s he inherited a family farm from the slighthouses houses south of England and he decided to become a farmer. Before he did so he set out to learn all the latest farming techniques. He soon turned slighthouses houses into one of the most innovative fi- purposeful farms in Scotland. Hutton's interest in the earth seems to have begun while he was learning about farming. He travelled extensively around Britain, studying the landscape and the rocks, bringing sample after sample rocks and minerals back home. Something quite new in those days, and he soon seemed to become known for his expertise in them. I wonder what's happened to the, uh, the person she got pregnant. He... His close involvement with the land had a crucial influence on his geological ideas. Washing the land on his farm changed year by year and the soil washed away by winter rains onto replenishing though the years as the rock was weathered it may well have been inspiration for Hutton's vision of the end of cycles of erosion and renewal. I like that speculation, it just popped in there. But the early sixteen sixties his ideas were already partly formed. Returned to Edinburgh. With a farm well established, Hutton moved back to Edinburgh in 1770 and was immediately caught up with the intellectual ferment gripping the city. Here he met and befriended the young and uh, uh, befriended many other great minds David Hume, the great philosopher of human nature, Adam Smith, whose book The Wealth of Nations became the Bible for the rise of capitalism, oh, dear, James Watt, who made the steam engine practical, Stephen Black, who discovered carbon dioxide. Joseph black why well, I didn't know I thought it was um, priestly there you go capcs I'll look at that so there's Sal um, amiac and um, Joseph black before lo had the black teamed up to work on what was one of the key problems of geology at the time how did all the different minerals of which rock um, made made form form? Uh, most mineralogists of the day believed, like Werner, they precipitated out of the universal ocean. But if this is so, then surely every substance found on rocks must dissolve on water. Clearly this is not the case. During his work with Black Hutton realised that instead, uh, instead heat from within the earth must be involved in mineralization, Not just heat, but heat and extreme pressures. As such as those found deep within the earth. Going public. Hutton's ideas began to crystallise in 1785 and he decided to present them to the Royal Society of Edinburgh. Uh, perhaps suffering from stage fright, he left Black to read his paper. The people were struck struck at once by the significance of his ideas, while others may have rejected uh, that there was no proof. Either way, Hutton was determined to find all the proof needed to convince others. I don't know either way. I don't know if that makes sense. And set off with his friend John Clerk into the Highlands to find out. Hui highlands, in particular, Hutton was interested in granite and other igneous rocks, which form a molten magma from inside the earth. Absolutely I think Glenn is a metamorphic rock, it's sort of an igneous rock, but it's, it's been heated and crystallized, is my thing. There there's these pretty natty birds here, big red bird coming off. In seventeen eighty eight, uh to Hutton's excitement they saw a graphic proof. Uh he was searching for in Glen Tilt in the Carampian Mountains, where the granite veins had clearly been injected into surrounding rock. And later that summer, Hutton, uh, John Playfair and James Hall, to Sigar Point on the North Sea coast to show them the um, n- uh, unconformity. He had proof all the proof he needed so this is a thing, convincing the world but if Playfair and Hall were convinced there were many who weren't Hutton could deal with those who towed the established um, scientific line and criticised them for the lack of understanding he knew his evidence was sound he had many supporters in Edinburgh to back him up but in 1793 a leading Irish academic called Richard Cowain suggested Hutton's theories were blasphemous Hutton was determined to respond, but that year he fell seriously ill, probably from kidney failure, as you do. He began to write the book The Theory of the Earth, explaining his theories and giving proofs. Unfortunately, he was too ill to make a good job of it, and was unable even to write the last of the three volumes, containing all his proofs. When Hutton died in 1797, his messy book, which is much less clear than his earliest paper, made little impact. Oh, poor thing... Blasphemous, you blasphemer. Playfair and Hall took up the course. Playfair writing a sample summary in his ideas. Hall conducting laboratory experiments to show that igneous rocks um could form mineral crystals simply by cooling down slowly. So so it's, it's it is yeah, slow cooling of the crystal's grain. At the same time, it was another 35 years before Charles Lyell wrote his book Principles of Geology, which made Hutton's ideas the foundations of modern geology and proved that Charles Darwin provided Charles Darwin with the inspiration for the theory of evolution. Well, this is a really complicated thing. Nonconformity. A key element of the proof of Hutton's theories was the existence of nonconformities, places where there was a clear break in the normally ordered pattern in which rocks layers are laid down over time, one well on top of the other. On the summer of 1788, Hutton took uh, two potential critics, John Playfair and James Hall, along the North Sea coast to Sikana Point in a rowing boat. Playfair later described the experience, quote, on us, who saw these phenomena for the first time, the impression will not easily be forgotten. We often said to ourselves, what clearer evidence could we have led to the different formation of these rocks? And the long interval which separates the formation, had we actually seen them emerging from the bosom of the deep? End quote. They saw that afternoon was the non unconformity There was a cliff face where there's a layer of uh, rock not lying horizontally, but standing straight up like books on a shelf. Then, on top of them, cutting across them was horizontally more layers of rock, this time almost flat. This cutting across is a non-conformity. It was clear, as Hutton explained uh, to his companions, that the vertical layers were originally laid down flat in the sediments, then uplifted and tilted almost upright. Erosion cut across the top of the layers, creating a, a new plane or seabed. Then, new sediments had gradually settled and built on the horizontal layers, which had, in turn, been uplifted to create the top cliff. No more convincing proof of, for Hutton's ideas of endlessly repeated cycles of erosion and sedimentation uplift could be seen, and Playfair and Hall instantly became Hutton's most ardent champions. I love that idea of going on a um, rowboat to... Um uh, and seeing a piece of scientific evidence to do it, and that—that for me uh, is, a, is sort of the quintessential lab experience. So uh, I like James Hutton, the blasphemer. another story comes to a close it's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you may you discover truly amazing things understand them and tell others thanks for listening